We have been talking about how we live intentionally for God. We've been talking about a couple of things. We've talked about the idea um, of uh, last week we dealt with the issue of simplicity. That basically we need to be careful as far as getting our lives so complicated. Uh, we talked a week before about the idea of trust or control and trusting God. The idea that control is an illusion. Um, God's the one who's in control. And so we have to be very, very careful thinking that we're the ones who are controlling everything. And then uh, we started out by talking about the idea of margin, space. That you've got to create those pauses in life, those that space um, as you as you live your life. This week is Valentine's Day. So, surprise, guys. Um, so, for we're going to talk about this issue of love, and, and we're going to talk about it in, in context of, of the Bible as really as an essential for um, us as a, a believer. Um, but it is Valentine's Day, believe it or not. Here's what they tell us this week. Americans will spend $25.9 billion on Valentine's Day. Um, that's actually $2 million more than we spent last year, or $2 billion more than we spent last year. Uh, 52% of Americans will spend $192 on Valentine's Day. Uh, 35 to 44-year-olds will spend, on average, $335 on Valentine's Day. Uh, the most popular thing people are going to buy is candy. 57% of that's going to go to candy. Uh, 40% to cards. 37% to flowers. Um, and coming in at 21% is jewelry. Um, so um, FYI, I'm less than $192. I'm in the 21% of the jewelry thing and 40% with the cards. So I've got it covered. Um, like what one guy did. He said he bought his wife flowers last week and gave them to her and said, here, I just couldn't wait till Valentine's Day. Um, knowing that they were going to be cheaper last week than they will this week. Uh, but anyway. Um, so, you know, here's the idea. You know, we, 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 we talk about this time of year. We talk about this love thing. And uh, we talk about this whole concept. And so I, I want to look at it from a biblical perspective. I want to look at a bunch of verses first, and then we're going to zero in on one passage in First Peter that I think will help us as we try to navigate our lives. So here we go. Let's start with, of course, the, the one thing that you probably um, heard at a uh, – what am I on there, guys? There we go. There we go. Uh, you probably heard, read, maybe even at your own wedding or at a wedding. Uh, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, I don't have love. I'm a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal, or they just make a bunch of noise. Uh, if I had the gift of prophecy, I can fathom all mysteries and knowledge. I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love. I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, I give my body over to hardship that I may boast. But if I don't have love, I've got nothing. And then he ends the passage by saying this. These three things remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. When you go through the scriptures and you look at it, you're familiar with this passage and the teaching of Jesus. Jesus is, they're trying to confront Jesus and trick him, and so they ask him what the greatest commandment is, and here's what he says. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Jesus stumps them by basically looking at them and saying, uh, the greatest commandment is to love God and your neighbor. Um, Now, that wasn't technically one of the big ten or one of the ones that they wanted to focus on, but Jesus basically takes the whole thing and, like we talked about last week, simplifies it down to say, love God and other people. Um, Paul says it this way, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Um, Paul, in talking to husbands, basically looks at them and says, guys, um, you need to love your wives, and here's how you love her. You love her the same way Christ loved the church. Um, Now, for those of you who may be here this morning and you don't understand what this verse is talking about, what you need to understand is John 3.16, God loves you. God loved the whole world. He gave his life for you, and he offers you salvation. He offers you a gift. There's nothing, you don't have to jump through any hoops. You don't have, all you have to do is accept it. You ask him to come into your heart. You ask him to forgive your sin. You ask him to be your Lord and Savior. That's simple. Um, this week, I'm going to hand my wife on Tuesday a card and a little box, and I'm going to say, Happy Valentine's Day. I already got did the flowers thing, by the way. Or cheaper last week. Uh, So, uh, I'm not dumb. Uh, I mean, so I'm going to hand her on Tuesday, I'm going to hand her a little box, and and, and it's got a, I'll tell you right now, it's got a piece of jewelry in it. Um, And uh, I'm going to hand her a deal. Now, she's got two choices. She can look at me and say, thank you, and not take it. Or she can take it, embrace it, and wear it. It's her call. I've offered the gift. What she does with it is her call. Salvation is much the same. Jesus Christ dies on the cross. He offers us salvation. He offers us eternal life as a gift. And we have a choice. We either do something with it or we reject it. It's our call. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, my wife is going to accept it. And the reason my wife is going to accept it is because when I was in Texas a couple of weeks ago, I said, hey... I'm going to be around, my motel is literally like within a mile of James Avery Jewelry Store. The catalog's in my office. Go see if there's something you want. And she said, yes, this is what I want. And she sent me the picture and the little code. And so I walked into James Avery and I said, this is what I'm looking for. Here's the number. And she goes, oh, we have that right over here. And she took me to the one that was in gold. And that was like 500 bucks. And I said, I know my wife enough to know. She didn't want me to spend $500. So I said, do you have this in silver? She said, oh, yes. I said, that's the one I want. Um, so anyway, so I know she's going to take it and accept it. Why? It's something that she's wanted. And so she's going to get that. And salvation is the same way. And this is what Paul is saying to, to husbands. He's saying, guys, look, you love your wives. You want to know how you love your wives? You love your wives the same way that you that Christ loved the church. He did anything. He, he, he gave his life for it. And, you know, I want you to know, Jesus Christ did that for you. He gave his life for you. And it's a free gift for you to accept. Many of us here have done that. Many of us have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. In 
Peter, 1 Peter, now what's interesting about Peter when he writes this is we know that Peter was married because he had a mother-in-law. And if you have a mother-in-law, you have a wife. Uh, so when Peter's married, we're not sure. But So it's interesting that he writes this. He says this, um, likewise you husbands, again, often in Scripture, God deals really strongly with the husband. But... Like by you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as the weaker vessel, and being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Guys, I'm going to talk to everybody in a minute, but let me talk just for the guys for a second. You need to understand that in Scripture, for those of you that are married here, this is a very dangerous passage. Because let me, let me give you a, a, a different version of it, my version of it. If you're not going to do these things, you're wasting your time to pray because God's not listening to you. Now, there's not many things in Bible where God says, I'm not listening to you, but this is one. So it's really important, guys, that we do our, fulfill our roles as husbands in taking care of our wives and, and loving our wives. We're going to go into all this verse. We're going to walk through the whole thing. So some of you get all nervous about that weaker vessel thing. Don't worry. I'll cover it. We'll get there. All right? Um, so here we go. Let's talk about it. I'll, I'll, I'll go back to the verse. Um, how do you love? How do you love? This verse gives you all everything you need to know as far as how, how to love. Okay? I understand specifically it's time to husband, but we're going to talk to all of us. Because the principles are the same. First thing, what does he say? Is, Likewise, you husbands dwell. You know what that means? Spend time. You see, if you're going to love somebody or if you're going to love something, it's going to involve time. Now, what's interesting is, we, again, in the American culture, when, we, when somebody gets married, what happens is they date, and then they get engaged, and then they get married. That's kind of the process in the American culture. In the Jewish culture, it's much, much different. In the Jewish culture, what would happen was people would, uh, families would get together, and two dads would be sitting there and going, you know, my boy needs a girl. Well, my girl needs a husband. Let's make a deal. And they would make a deal. Well, you know, my girl's worth, she's like worth three oxen. Nah, I think she's worth like about two sheep. <laughs> nah, I think she's worth more than that, you know. You know, your boy's pretty ugly, you know. Um, and they would negotiate. And then what would happen is this, they would bring them together and they would get married. And, and, and in some cases, not always, but in some cases, this is the first time these two really interacted. And they had to figure out this marriage thing. So it's interesting in the Old Testament, when God sets up the rules for marriage, you want to know what one of the, we want to know what two of the rules are? For the first year, he's not allowed to go to war. Why? He needs to spend time with his wife. And in fact, for the first year, he's also not allowed to work. Why? He needs to spend time with his wife. He needs to learn to dwell, to get together, to know them. What do you find in the Bible, in Genesis? When God and Adam and Eve are in the garden, what are they doing? They're spending time together. One of the things that you need to understand is if you're going to love someone, whether it be a spouse or your child or a grandchild or your neighbor or whoever, you have to dwell with them. You have to invest time. 
Please listen to me. Guys, many of you were brought up in a world like I was, where it was, my job as a dad is to provide for my family. I'm not going to minimize that at all. But you know what? You also have to spend time. You have to spend time. There is no other way around. People say, well, you know, I spend quality time with my kids. Let me tell you something. Do you think most kids differentiate between quality and quantity? Okay. For instance, here, uh, my, my, my granddaughter's into Legos right now. Claire, here's one big Lego set. Versus. Claire, here's 15 Lego sets. Which do you want? They will always take quantity over the quality. Why? Because they're kids. Dads, listen to me. Your kids don't understand quality over quantity. Maybe when they're 30, they might. But no, when they're kids, they want your time. They want dad. Well, I got a lot going on. I understand that. But believe me, there will come a point when they're gone, and you will wish you had that time with them. You take the time now because love one of the key ideas of love is time. There's no other way around it. Guys, gals, listen to me. As husbands and wives, there is the best way you can show your love one towards another is with time. Um, I was fortunate, you know. I mean, I don't want to embarrass him, but, but you know, Carl was a huge influence on me. Because uh, at one point I worked for Carl, and... There, there are times that he was in ministry at the nursing home. I was doing um, network stuff for him and, and running a, a program with, for him. And uh, I would dodge him every once in a while because Carl had this penetrating question he used to always ask me. Um, so where would you take your wife out to eat this week? And I knew if I saw him at work, I was going to get that question. And say, oh, I didn't go out last week. Well, maybe I can just dodge Carl this week. I'll take her out this week so that next week I can tell him where we went. (laughs) Why? Because it was accountability of checking up. And you know what? Because he understood the value of dating, even though we had little kids. Because one day those kids were going to be gone, and it was just going to be Gene and I. So we developed a relationship Listen, parents, outside of our children. So that when our kids are gone, guess what? We're not two strangers in a house. And this is what you see all the way across the board. You're watching, you're watching people that have been married 20 years get divorced because mom spent all her time with the kids. Dad spent all of his time at work. They find themselves two strangers in a house with nothing in common, and they say, Let's, what are we doing together? Why? Because they didn't invest the time. Love is shown by time. The next thing that he says is dwell with them according to knowledge. Because love is also foundational to love is understanding. In our culture, we're told you can't understand a woman. You understand what 1 Peter 3 teaches? 
you better understand her if you want God to listen to your prayers. Uh, when I do, when I marry a couple um, and I go through this session with roles of husbands and wives and children, um, one of the things that I do is I, I, knowing guys, I hand guys a sheet of 50 questions that you should know about your wife. What's her favorite color? What's her favorite flower? What's her favorite restaurant? What's her favorite food? Um, what does she like? What does she not like? Uh, those questions, why? So that he can understand her. Why? Because you have, if you're going to love somebody, you have to understand them. That's why he says, dwell with them according to knowledge. Look, this is where we are as a culture right now. We're talking, as a culture right now, what's happened is we have everybody fighting because nobody wants to understand the opposite point of view. All they want to do is, is fight for their point of view and everybody else is an idiot. And so nobody's trying to understand anybody. Look, I am politically conservative. But do you know that every single week I read from the beginning all the way to the end Time Magazine? Now, if you don't know anything about Time Magazine, let me just say this. They're not politically conservative. Okay? They're anything but. You know why I read it? Because I'm trying to understand the mindset of somebody who's on the opposite side of the spectrum for me. I'm never going to agree with them. But I want to try to understand them. What does Jesus do when he comes to this earth? He spends time with publicans and sinners. Not for them to change him, but for him, for them to see him so that he can understand them, so they see him. In fact, one of the most amazing things about Jesus is this. The people who are most unlike him love to be around him. That's amazing to me. That Jesus had such a draw that people who rejected him, didn't want anything to do with him, everything else, were on completely opposite spectrums of him, wanted to hang with him. And that, that should speak volumes to you. And if you're going to love somebody, if you're going to love, genuinely love your, your spouse, and you're going to have to do everything you can to seek to understand them. Um, I'm trying to, I, I raised two boys. So having a granddaughter, it's like having an alien. Because I don't understand the girl thing. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to navigate all of that, learning what I can, um, about how you deal with the, with a girl instead of, instead of guys. Um, but love is spelt with understanding. Um, it, it, it's that idea of, look, try to, try to understand where they're coming from so that you can genuinely love them. If we're going to love people the way God loves people, that we have to do that. Even though, they're, even though they're on the opposite spectrum of what our beliefs are or what we think about, we have to get to that point that we step back and go, you know what, I'm going to do everything I can to try to understand the world in which you live. Um, those of you who are raising teenagers, look, I know it's tough. But you got to do what you can to understand them. And, and, and let's be honest, most of them, they don't understand them. 
So yeah, it's going to be hard, but that is part of the process, to genuinely love. The other thing is, he says, dwell with them according to knowledge. Um, And then he talks about the issue of giving honor to them as a weaker vessel. Now look, everybody's like, oh, that's saying men, men, me, man, she, woman. Um, No, that's not what it's saying at all. Um. Actually, the, 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 the Greek word has the idea of precious and valuable. So let me explain it to you this way. Those of you who know me know um, I blow glass as a hobby. I love glass blowing. Um, and we started uh, about uh, eight years ago. And um, I love doing it. It's something I'm, I'm passionate about. So I, I love glass. I love playing with the medium. I love the colors. I love all of that. If you were to walk into my office, here's what you'll find. My office here, you'd find all kinds of mementos that I've had over 40 years of doing this. Um, Everything from White Castle candles to things that I brought back from Jamaica. But in the one corner of my office is a glass case about this tall. And in that glass case are, are things that I have blown, things that I have made. They have a special place in my office. Nothing else in my office is in a glass case. Nothing else is highlighted like that. Why? Because those those are precious and valuable. And technically, I mean, I know you'd look at glass and you go, oh, that's because it's fragile and weak. No, it's not fragile and weak. I mean, I've got pieces in there you could drop on the floor and they ain't going to break. Um, so it's not fragile and weak. It's They have value to me. They get a special place in my office. If you go to my office at my house, I have above my computer, I have two shelves of glass that I've collected. Those are things that there are different artists that I enjoy following. And so whenever I get a chance, I try to, to help them in their business by buying one of their pieces. So up in there, so let me tell you how this is set up in my office at home. It's actually a, two shelves that are lighted that are on a motion detector. So that anytime anybody walks into my office, they start lighting up and changing colors. Why? Because... They have value to me, and they are something I enjoy. Now, also, before you go, ooh, you're like tutti fruity, you know, high uppity kind of thing, okay? Um, I also have on that shelf, I've started collecting minifigs, Lego minifigs. So I just completed, at Christmas, the entire Muppet 12-character series on, of minifigs there on that shelf amongst all this beautiful glass. And I'm working on the Looney Tunes guys right now. Um, so, you know, don't, you know, it's just, it's stuff that I enjoy. Um, and, but here's the thing. It has a special place for me. All of those things have a special place of honor in my office. If you're going to love something, if you're going to love someone, you're going to give it a special value. You're going to give it a special place of honor. When my boys were growing up, I never, ever said to my boys, you will not talk to your mother that way. But you know what they heard often? You will not talk to my wife that way. Why? I don't care if she's your mother or not. That's my wife. Nobody talks to her like that. Last of all, somebody she birthed. Um, But that's my wife. 
It's the idea of putting them on a pedestal, a place of honor, a place of... So when you love something, in my case, glass or Muppets, I love that sound. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's the sign of life. Uh, you know, future. There's, there's the future right there. Um, I, it's the idea of you, you, you give them honor. You give them a place of honor. You, you, you encourage them. You, uh, uh, those things in my world, glass and Muppet and, and, and Legos, have a place of honor. When you love somebody, you honor them. Yes, you spend time with them. Yes, you understand them. But more importantly, you encourage and strengthen and build them up and honor them and treat them with incredible dignity and honor. Apply this all the way across the board. Those people that you work with, you genuinely love them? Spend time with them, try to understand them, build them up, give them honor and dignity. Your kids, you talk to your kids, I mean, as Jen said this morning, with cotton ball words this week. I'm not saying you, don't, you need to use sandpaper every once in a while. Sandpaper has a purpose. Um, but I also know this, if we would have taught... Kids don't do this. But if we had told those kids, rub as hard as you can for as long as you can, we would have done damage. Um, and those of you who are woodworkers, you know this. You can sand something to the point that you get, you've sanded it too much with the wrong sandpaper, and you've done damage to that wood. It's about choosing the right grit, and it's about choosing the right path, and, and putting all of that together to create something without damaging it and, and enhancing the beauty of it. It's the same way with, with what we do and what we say all week. And I just want to encourage you because one of the essentials to life, we talked about, we've talked about this idea of margin. We've talked about this idea of control. We've talked about this idea of simplicity. But one of the things that we have to get to the point of is that we're driven by love. And we're in a culture that's driven by tasks. And we're in a culture where we really don't think about love. We think about, okay, this is my position, and if you don't like it, just tough. Wait a minute. Do we genuinely love those people we're trying to reach? We genuinely want to try to understand where they're coming from? You know, again, I, I go back to where I am politically. I'm politically conservative. So it won't take you very long to figure out what I think about the whole climate change thing. But stop and understand from a Christian viewpoint. What do I know is going to happen to this world? It's going to melt with a fervent heat. This thing's going to melt like nobody's business. That's the end. But what's the understanding of somebody who doesn't have God and Christianity and and, and Christ in their life? I want this to last as long as I can. This is all there is. When this is gone, it's all over. Okay, I can understand that now. You know, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd probably want to hang on to this thing as long as I can. So I have come to this understanding that, you know, where we can find common ground? On being a steward of that which we're given. That's a biblical principle. I need to take care of whatever God gives me. I'm responsible for it. 
not interested in hanging around forever. I'm interested in taking care of that which God's given me. Does that make sense? This is what I'm talking about. It's that issue of understanding. It's that issue of loving. It's that issue of trying to reach him. This is what Jesus does when he comes to the earth. He meets with these people. He hangs with these people. He's around these people. And these people don't change him. He changes them. And that's important to know. Listen to these passages as we wrap this thing up. My little children, no love in word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. Great. You want to give your spouse flowers and Valentine's cards and candy and, and mini figs? Um, hint. Um, I mean, you want to do that? Awesome. But you know what? Give them your time. Understand them. Honor them. Encourage them. Build them up. That's how you're really going to show love. Uh, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially those who are the household of faith, especially one another. One thing we will not tolerate here, and you need to know, you, you, want, you, want, to, you want to get me mad, and, and I'll come at you like ugly on a stick. Here's, here's how you do it. You start bad-mouthing or talking about a fellow brother or sister in Christ. We're going to have a problem. We're going to have a problem. Because the world shoots at us all the time for nothing. The last thing we're going to do is shoot at each other. Why? Because we need to build each other up and encourage each other. And we need to look at each other and go, you know what? I want to be able to help you do the best you can. Be the best person that you can be for the cause of Christ. And then, oh, Ephesians. Make the most of every opportunity. The days are evil. As I said earlier, you got today. Make a count. Proverbs, don't withhold good from those to whom it's due. When it's in your power to act, do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow, I'll give you what you already have with you. Do it now. Do it now. Look, this week, you're going to be driven by something. Most of you, like me, are going to be driven by your tasks. You're going to get up and you're going to look at a checklist of things that you have to do for the day. And those are going to determine what you do. Here's my challenge to you. Try this week to be driven by love. Try to look for an opportunity to invest your time in understanding and in honoring somebody else. Start each day with this simple prayer. Lord, use me today to impact somebody. And at the end of the day, look for one person that you were able to impact, encourage, understand, spend time with. And look at that day and say, Lord, thanks for letting me do that today. If you do that, you will walk in here next week with seven people that you impacted this week because you invested your life driven by love, not necessarily the task. And I want to challenge you because you know what? Here's what, I, here's, here's what I have observed. When you come to the end of this thing we call life, you're not going to want to be surrounded by your stuff. You're going to, be want, to, you're going to want people around you. 
You know how you have that? You invest your life in people now. You start loving people because you know what? You give me the choice between surrounding, putting in my... I see this all the time. When you have to start downsizing and you go from the big house to the small house and then you go from the small house to maybe a, a one-room apartment and then you go from the one-room apartment maybe to a nursing home and, and, and one room and sometimes you have to share the room with somebody else. So all of your space gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And one of the things I always ask is, what was something that person always wanted with them wherever they lived? It's one of the questions I ask when I do a funeral. Is there something that person always hung on to that it was in every single one of those places? And normally it comes down to whatever's in that nursing home room. You know what I often find? It's photographs of people. And I'm going to tell you right now, when that, if that time comes for me, as much as I love my glass, I'm not going to say, you know, you know that fish I made in South Dakota? Will you bring that and set that next to my nightstand with me? No, it's going to be some goofy picture that our family took with all of it. Why? Because it's about loving people. And that's what Jesus said. You want to sum the whole thing up? It's about loving people. And loving God. That's what's important. So as I close this morning, here's my challenge. It's easy in this life to become task-driven people. It is my prayer that we're driven by love this week. May we value people over things. This week, spend your time honoring and investing in people. Make the sacrifices you need to focus on loving others as God loves them. That leads to a well-intentioned life. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Easy to get caught up in the rat race. Easy to get caught up, Lord, in stuff and agendas and plans and Money and positions and titles and jobs and careers. But Lord, when it is all said and done, it's really going to be about the people we've invested our lives in. So Lord, help us to live now focused on that which is important. Not that which is on our to-do list. These things we ask in your name. Amen.